Welcome to Build with Hari Rao, a podcast by Get Ready Ministry. Let's receive today's word. Welcome, welcome. Greetings to you in the most beautiful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It gives me great joy to welcome you to our Saturday night's broadcast Build with Hari Rao. I I believe you have been preparing and you are excited for the word of the Lord today. God in his grace allowed us to have a very powerful time of ministry on Wednesday night on our Instagram. And I want to thank the Lord for his goodness and his faithfulness. I want you to know that when the Lord visits us, when the Lord ministers to us, when the Lord speaks to us, it is it is purely because of his mercy. It is his goodness. Never is it because we earned it or we have worked for it or we deserve it. It's his goodness. I want you to take this opportunity to, to thank the Lord for his goodness in our lives. We are in many ways imperfect. Many of us extremely flawed. But for some reason, His grace covers us. His grace protects us. His grace leads us. We are recipients of such a beautiful and powerful grace that we don't deserve. Can you take this opportunity to thank the Lord? Come on. Take a moment to thank God. Take this opportunity to thank Jesus. Amen. We have to become grateful. We have to have to become grateful. We have witnessed probably the most extraordinary 12 to 18 months in our country and around the world. And if you're still breathing, if you're still alive, if you still have your health, you have much to be grateful to the Lord about. You have much to be thankful about. Hundreds upon hundreds have succumbed to, to the worldwide pandemic. Many, many, many loved ones have passed. But God in his mercy has preserved us. I think we should be thankful, right? No, we, we suffer from... Um, sometimes we are so quick to forget how good God has been. It's a human condition. <laughs> we cry out to God. We weep when we are in trouble. We weep and pray and fast and beg God for intervention. And God in his mercy extends grace, works a miracle, intervenes on our behalf. And within a few short days, few short weeks, we forget how good, how gracious God has been. We must remain thankful. We must remain thankful. I want you to be a grateful and a thankful group of people. So would you take a minute to thank the Lord? Come on. Be generous with your applause. Be generous with your shouts. Be generous with how you thank the Lord Jesus Christ. 
can you go ahead and share this broadcast with somebody i want you to be an extension of our ministry be an extension be my hands and my legs and share this with your family share this with your friends so more and more people can hear the word of the lord um okay all right we have been in a series where we are trying to understand the end times <laughs> it's a very very complex um part of the scripture it's very most churches never even teach these things you know uh i remember growing up in the lord especially in my formative years this was a subject that was taught quite vigorously in my local church it is a core fundamental foundational teachings of the church but today we have come to a place where 7 out of 10 people don't even have an opinion some people don't even know about the second coming of the lord jesus christ sometimes you use the word rapture they'll think it's some form of music uh it's it's a subject that is grossly neglected and i can understand why because it is it is a worm of cans uh, it is a can of worms worm of cans <laughs> uh because there are so many different ideas thoughts versions interpretations so i have done my best to to give you an understanding even if it's superficial at best but it these are important truths for the church to know for the believer to know and i don't want you to suffer from the frog in the well syndrome um you know how there's a frog that has lived his entire life in a well and he thinks this is the world there is nothing beyond my well there is no nothing to see beyond my well my well is the best place to live and to die <laughs> i don't want us to be that way i want us to know the truth i want us to know various opinions sometimes opposing opinions and then you can make a mature choice based on your walk with god and your interpretation of scripture all right are you guys ready for today today we are going to talk about the end time church come on the, the name itself sounds glorious <laughs> we're going to talk about the end time church the church of the lord jesus christ the glorious church of the lord jesus the church that christ has been building for the last 2000 years and we're going to see how this church is going to rise at the end times and when i say the church i'm not talking about a denomination i'm not talking about your denomination i'm not talking about your particular church i'm not talking about a ministry a particular men no we're talking about the global church of the lord jesus christ irrespective of denominations irrespective of um, um geographical divides cultural divides ethnic divides no no there is a church that jesus christ our lord jesus christ has been building and before his coming his church 
will be the most glorious entity on planet earth. Let me say that one more time. Before his coming, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will be the most glorious entity, the most glorious enterprise, the most glorious holy nation on the earth. Persecuted? Definitely. Will there be martyrs in the church? Absolutely. But there will be no lack of his glory. There will be no lack of his presence. There will be no lack of his power. There will be no lack of his word. Jesus Christ is not coming back for a crippled church. He's not coming back for a weak church. He's not coming back for a flawed church. He is coming back for a perfect, flawless, blameless bride. Somebody shout an amen. I'm talking about you. <laughs> I am talking about you. I am talking about you. The church is not a building. It's you and I. Okay. I want to... Do you have a book and a pen today? You're going to need a book and a pen today. You're going to need to make notes today. You have to write notes today. Because I'm going to introduce you to certain terms that there is a high possibility that you've never heard. I'm not saying all of you wouldn't have heard, but there could be some of you that have never heard of these things. I'm going to introduce, do, introduce you to certain interpretations, ideas that you might have never heard. But these are all actual interpretations of scripture, different schools of thoughts, different um, ways of interpreting scripture. But one that plays a very, very critical role in how we understand the end times. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? Our view, our view of the end time will decide our behavior in the present. Our view of the end times, our view of the future will decide our behavior in the present. Second, it will decide our level of preparation. It will decide how we prepare for the future, what expectations we have. You know, some people look at the end times and say, ah, you just need to pray. And it's true. You just need to be a Jesus-loving believer and that's enough. And, and in majority of cases, it is enough and more than enough. But if your view of the future and if your view of the end times is skewed, is not biblical, then your level of preparation and the way you prepare and your behavior in your present is going to be very, very different. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And let me give you a, a story from my childhood. Um, I used to love summer holidays. It was my favorite time of the year because 10, 11 months you go to school. 
and you know you do all that homework and you do all those exams and tests and i'm telling you i hated exams like with a passion i was not very good at it so maybe that's why i didn't like them <laughs> right i i used to test exams i just wanted to pass like i i didn't there was a time in my school life i just wanted to pass i didn't want to get ranks i didn't want to be in the top 10 let's give me bare minimum give me 35 marks i'm a happy child you know <laughs> and i used to love summer holidays because summer holidays it's like a free pass right you get to do what you want play as long as you want in fact i think my parents were happy that i was out of the house for most of the day because in the house i was chaos i would break things i would do all kinds of naughty stuff so i love summer holidays i love summer holidays and then my father i think it was in the 5th or the i think in the 4th or the 5th grade i don't remember and then my father started off this new habit every day he would tell me before he left to work when i come back i want to i want you to recite um, I, i don't know if you guys remember tables you know he said i want you i want you to recite uh, the 7th table or the 8th table or the 9th table and i used to hate it because i was so bad at memorizing and remembering stuff so he would say i'll be back from work at 8 o'clock and at 8:30 i'm going to call you and my first two three days i took it casually right I was like ah dad will forget yes he's a busy man but man he never forgot cuz my mother made it a point to remind him uh <laughs> i saw somebody say my dad does that <laughs> i mean i i i mean aren't we grateful for our parents they did their best right they did their best so So after two three times of being spanked a couple of times I realized that I better at some point start to study or memorize these tables what was what was my dad doing every day in the morning my dad painted a picture of the future every day he said I'm going to come back and this is my expectation of you he didn't say don't play he didn't say don't go outside He didn't say don't play cricket he didn't say don't watch television he said my expectation is that you do this my expectation is that when i come back you are ready with these answers you're ready with this information so my view and my understanding of the future informed and dictated my behavior during the course of the day it it, it decided how i studied how much time i gave was i able to recite or memorize these tables was i able to make the connections it's it was so important so important similarly my people whatever is your view of the future whatever is your view of the end times whether in our generation or in the coming generation of our children at some point if if not us our children are going to be there right if not our children our grandchildren are going to be there right so so we want to prepare ourselves and our children for the coming of the lord jesus christ and how we see he's going to come is going to dictate how we prepare ourselves how we behave how we conduct ourselves yeah 
This is critical. That is why you will see the New Testament church had a passion for the Lord, lived such sacrificial life. Sometimes they were killed and they counted it a joy. Today people find it, people complain about driving an hour to go to church. But this, this church, this Bible that we hold today and the, and the first disciples laid down their life for the sake of the gospel. And today we complain, oh, pastor, this, this, this timing is not good. Saturday night, why do you want to teach on Saturday night? You know, uh, today we have match. Today's outcome was not that great. But, you know, we have cricket match. We, have, we can go out. You know, we're young people. We need to have a life. And yet, the followers of Jesus did not even held their own lives dear to them. Okay, so... Are you guys ready? I am nervous when I'm going to teach you this <laughs> because some of you are just going to conclude I am a false teacher based on what I'm about to say. Some of you will decide this is heresy. I promise you it is not. Um, I pray constantly. One, one to not be led astray myself. One to not be deceived myself. But I pray more for you. I say, Lord, let it never be that on my count, somebody was led astray. Because of my words, somebody was misinformed. So I pray, I, I do not take this serious. I do not take this lightly. I take this very seriously. It is so important that we have a, a, an accurate understanding of the end times. We thank God for that. We thank God for that. I will also, it will be wise for me to say, I don't know everything. Yes, I, if somebody tells you he knows it all, you must run from that person. <laughs> I'll be quick to tell you, I don't know everything. I am growing with you. I'm growing in understanding with you. But I do study. I do read. I do have a lot of um, passionate discussions with with my colleagues in ministry. So we will grow together. I am presenting to you today what I have learned so far. All right. Having said that, are you guys ready? Can we, can we get into this? Okay. Most of us, we have been raised in the Pentecostal charismatic paradigm. Most of us... Um, were either saved or born again in an Assemblies of God church or a church that is whose theology is deeply influenced by Pentecostalism and the charismatic movement. Which means that some of the things that I might, I'm sharing with you may be new information. The first time I got this information I had a very, very, very strong reaction. I was like, no, 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 this is, this is, this is nonsense. This can't be true. My pastor never taught me this, <laughs> you know. But you must understand the assemblies of God is only one tradition in the church and there are multiple traditions. But more importantly, it is how we interpret scripture that is going to influence how we look at the end time. Okay, having said that, there are three dominant 
views of the n times how many three there are three dominant views of the n times the first one is what we would call pre-millennialism one more time the first one is called pre-millennialism the second one is post-millennialism and finally the last one is called amillennialism or a millennialism let me say that to you write this down i encourage you to read about this i'll i will try and share some information with you articles with you books that you can read um, you should join our instagram um, telegram group i'm going to be sharing those details on that group okay three main views pre millennialism post millennialism and a millennialism or a millennialism okay now most of us in india at least we are very aware of the first view which is pre millennialism and today i will spend some time deep diving into that and god willing on another time we will go into post millennialism and arm millennialism but let me in in a nutshell let me give you a superficial explanation um in the first view in the first interpretation or first school of thought in pre millennialism the second coming of the lord jesus christ is before the 1000 year reign on the earth that jesus christ would come back before his millennial reign and together with the church he will physically rule on the earth for a thousand years before the judgment um before satan is released and the judgment and the lake of fire and all of that stuff okay so pre millennialism christ would come back before the millennial reign our millennialism is this idea that there is no literal 1000 year reign the millennial reign is symbolic is metaphorical and is not strictly a 1000 year reign there is a coming of the lord at the end of this metaphorical or symbolic reign and closely post millennialism is that that jesus christ would come back after at the end of the millennial reign that is a very very basic very superficial understanding of these three views there are several layers of it and there are multiple interpretations of scripture of the book of revelation of matthew 24 of the book of daniel uh, so all of that plays into this pre millennialism post millennialism and r or a millennialism okay all of this is important because they all differ and vary in some ways and that understanding will will uh, <laughs> uh, we will decide how we prepare imagine instead of my father telling me 
hey, I'm coming to coming back at eight o'clock and you're going to recite these tables for me. And instead he says, I'm going to bring kulfi and ice cream and we're going to have a big meal. Uh, the preparation for tables is very different for the preparation for kulfi and ice cream, right? So I want you to bear these things in mind. Okay. Today, we will not touch post-millennialism and we will not touch our millennialism. We will spend some time understanding pre-millennialism. Okay. This is, this is going to be familiar for many of you. The next great event in the church is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to talk to me and tell me if you understand these things. Right now, according to the premillennial interpretation, we are in what is called the church age or the dispensation of the church. The next big event will be the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But within the premillennial school of thought, there are two ways of looking at the second coming of the Lord Jesus. The one thought, which is historical, which was held by the many of the first century saints, is this. The rapture of the church and the second coming was a singular event. The first thought within the premillennial view is the rapture of the church and the second coming was a singular event. And they believed that this would happen after the seven years of tribulation. So we are in the church, we are in the church age right now. And at some point in the future of this timeline, there is going to be a seven-year tribulation, a, a judgment on, uh, on the earth. And in those seven years, the Antichrist and the mark of the beast as the systems of the beast will be revealed. And you will see the Antichrist exalt himself and sit on the temple in Jerusalem. And there will be all kinds of chaos, all kinds of judgment, all kinds of torture, persecution of God's people. There are flavors of this where they believe there's a one world government, a coalition of government. We won't get into all of that today, but I want you to see the timeline. This church age, the next, next major event is second coming. And in this first view, the second coming and the rapture is a single event that happens at the end of the seven years of tribulation. Okay. You guys are with me so far? All right. The second view, which is a fairly new interpretation, maybe about two to three hundred years old, um, is where they split the rapture of the church and the second coming into two distinct events. In this view, rapture of the church happens before the tribulation and then the church that is raptured 
goes to be with the Lord, participates in the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. At the end of the seven years of tribulation, or three and a half years technically, the church and the Lord Jesus Christ come back to rule and reign on the earth. So two views, two views, two views. One, where the rapture is pre-tribulation. And second, where the rapture is post-tribulation. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? Because, and there are scriptures. Please, everybody that is trying to create an idea and a view of eschatology is using the Bible. So they're not, it's not like they're just coming up with ideas from, <laughs> from nowhere, you know. So it's how we interpret scripture. It's how we decide what is metaphorical, what is symbolic, what is literal. It has a lot to do with how we see the original text. So I was born and raised in an Assemblies of God church. So and the, the doctrine of the Assemblies of God church is this is a timeline. We right now are in the church age or the, the dispensation of grace where we, our only job is to preach the gospel and prepare for the rapture where Jesus Christ will come as a thief. as It's a secret coming for the church. We, that, this is where planes will fall off the sky <laughs> uh, because uh, the pilots will get raptured because the pilot was a Christian and uh, husband will get raptured, wife. You, know, it's, you get the drift, right? So I, I was raised in this because the interpret scripture and there's a lot of evidence for this in scripture in the bible that the church is not destined by god to go through the tribulation the god's idea is not to judge the church with the rest of the nations so it will be removed it will be raptured it will be taken out of the earth and then for the next seven years or within the seven years three and a half years of judgment the nations of the earth will go through the terror reign of the antichrist and at the end of the seven years the lord jesus christ will return with this church and and defeat the antichrist and set up his millennial one thousand year reign now the other view is this and which is very unpopular in india is that the church will not be raptured before the tribulation. The church, in fact, will go through the tribulation. Many will be persecuted. Many will lose their life. Many will be burnt and you know, all those stuff. Many will be killed for their witness of the Lord because they will refuse to bow down to the Antichrist. They will refuse to bow down to the mark of the beast. They will refuse to, to participate in the systems of the Antichrist. And they will go through the tribulation. And at the end of the seven years, the Lord will come. So what happens at the Lord comes when the Lord comes is that the church gets raptured to meet him in the air and bring him back which is symbolic of 
the Jewish custom and Jewish weddings where when the bridegroom comes, the bride and the bridal party will go out of the city and meet him outside the city or outside the town and usher the bridegroom back into the city and into the house. That's the picture. Have you, have you guys ever thought that the church may not be raptured and go through the tribulation? Let me know. I want to see your responses. Have you ever or did you only know of this idea where the church will be raptured and we won't be here? Now, I love the rapture. I really do. I will, I will, I will come clean to you and I will give you my, my point. Okay. I love the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture. I love it. Let's get out of here, man. I don't want to deal with the Antichrist. I don't want to deal with the mark of the beast. I don't want to deal with any of these judgments. I don't like it. Let's get out of here, Jesus. I love the idea of rapture. We'll come back. We will reign together for a thousand years. I love that. It is superb. Having said that, having said that, having said that, what if you and I have interpreted the scriptures incorrectly and the church has to go through tribulation, then we are going to be so one disappointed because we have been getting ready to be caught away and then suddenly we realize, oh my God, Jesus is not coming to rapture the church and suddenly we have to we have to go through all these years of tribulation, go through all this pain, suffering, persecution. So we will have an extremely unprepared church. Which is very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. That's when our people will be shaken. And they will bow down and, and participate in what all of these things that the Antichrist and the false prophet will do on the earth. So we need to prepare our hearts in such a way that Lord, if there is, if there is a secret coming, if there is a rapture of the church, I will be ready. If you're going to come like a thief in the night, I want to be found ready for you. I will, I want to be walking with you. I want to walk in righteousness. I want to walk in holiness. I want to be a good husband, a good father, a faithful preacher of the word. I want to be found ready for the coming of the Lord. Secret or not secret. Whether before tribulation or I want to be ready. But just in case that there is no rapture of the church the way we have been taught. Just in case, just in case, just in case there is no pre-tribulation. I am ready with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to go through the seven years of the church being faithful to the Lord. Even if it's unto death, we will remain for the Lord, for the word. We will be a faithful witness to the word of the Lord, to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is so, 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 so important. So important. Let me give you some verses, okay? Let me give you some, some verses. I'll read for you Matthew chapter 24, okay? Matthew chapter 24, verse 38. 
Actually, let's read from 37. For as we as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, when they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Everybody knows this verse. Everybody, everybody knows this verse. And, and we have applied a default translation to this. And what is the default translation that we have been applied? That, that when, we, when we read that one will be taken away and one will be left, the man will be taken away, the other man will be left, one woman will be taken. We have, we have applied this translation, we have applied this interpretation. And, and, and what is that? That the righteous are taken away and the wicked are left behind. Those who are ready are taken away and those who are not ready are left behind. Isn't, isn't that what we were taught in most cases? We were taught that, right? But Jesus said, it shall be as it was in the days of Noah. Now, he is giving, he is coloring what he's about to say with the days of Noah. He says, he's setting the context. He's saying, listen, look at the way times were in Noah. And it's, that's how it's going to be when the coming of the Lord is. But when we read, when we read, when we read Noah's time and we read the timeline of Noah, we see the wicked were taken away and the righteous remained. Noah and the family was preserved. The wicked were taken out. The wicked were judged and they were removed. But Noah remained on the earth. So is it possible that when the scripture says one will be taken away and the other will remain, the one that is being taken away is actually the wicked one and the righteous remain on the earth. Is there a possibility of that? Is there a possibility of that? Is there a possibility of that? Imagine I'm like, I don't care what's going to happen in the world. I know everything's going to get bad and bad and bad and bad. Everything's going to go from bad to worse. Afghanistan is just a tipping point. Every, the whole world is going to go into chaos. But you know what? I have nothing to worry because I'm getting out of this system. Right? That's the attitude we've had, right? What if, oh my God, this... <sighs> What if we've been seeing it wrong? Please understand, I am not telling you that this is the only way. I am I'm presenting to you another way of looking at the same scriptures. I'm not saying that there's no rapture of the church. I'm not saying. I'm just, I'm giving you all the points. So we, we, we know exactly what we are playing with, right? <laughs> what if the church, ah my God, this is where... When we study the history of God in the Bible, when we study how God deals with his people, never has he worked in a way where the wicked remain and the righteous were taken away. It was always the wicked are taken away and the righteous remain on the earth because the earth belongs to the Lord. The earth belongs to the Lord. So why would he let the wicked take over the earth. You look at Noah, right? You look at Noah. Noah remained. God made a way. Was it difficult? Yes. 
was it uncomfortable yes but he remained or you look at the 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 judgments that got passed on on egypt right while judgment was passed on the entire nation of egypt when god ju- judged that nation he preserved the children of israel by protecting them in goshen they were not removed he didn't say let's take you out of egypt first and then i'll judge you he said no you stay here you stay in the land that i'm judging you stay in the land where the wicked are perishing you stay there but i have i will preserve you in spite of the judgment i there is a way that i can show that you are my people there's a way that i can protect you and preserve you while i am judging the nation that you are hiding inside my biggest problem with pre tribulation rapture by the way i'm telling you i love i love the idea of pre trib rapture i want nothing else that but that <laughs> i would love to get out of here trust me <laughs> thank you jesus let's get that glorified body let's have let's meet in the air you know uh we can eat all we want but our bodies will never grow fat again i i love that man come on who doesn't like that <laughs> i love pre trib rapture i really do so don't, don't don't look at me like like i don't like the idea i like it <laughs> and then we come back when when jesus is ready to come back to the earth and you're like yeah we're going to reign now let's take over but what if just is is there a possibility that we have interpreted this inaccurately and then we have to go through the tribulation where we will be persecuted for our faith where we will be forced to make a choice do you deny jesus christ if you choose to deny jesus christ you can live but if you choose to not deny him you have to die what if then we have a church that is grossly grossly unprepared i think a healthy place is if there is a secret rapture of the church i want to be ready for that rapture but if the lord decides to come after the tribulation then we will go through it being faithful witnesses unto the lord so one of the things that i'm i mean i have multiple discussions and one, maybe one of the days i will bring some of my pastoral friends who know a little more about this than i do and we can have a conversation about it um one of the dangers pre trib rapture has created one of the mindsets that pre tribulation rapture has created is escapism we just want to get out there is no ownership for the earth there is no ownership of how we take care of things there is no ownership of how we conduct our business there is no ownership so we have become a hyper spiritual collection of people that consider everything on the earth as evil as wicked uh, so so we we don't want to do anything on the earth we just want to abandon the earth wash our hands off and go to heaven i like heaven but as i was teaching one of the weeks if god's ultimate plan was to make man and keep man in the heaven why would god create the earth if the ultimate plan 
if the ultimate plan if the ultimate plan is to make sure everybody is in heaven then why would god make the earth he would have just kept us in heaven he would have made us in heaven perfection no why why go through the hassle of making the cosmos making the earth and making the garden and why go through all that trouble just made us in heaven keep us in heaven no he made us and placed us on the earth so we can be a faithful reflection an accurate reflection of who he is okay let's say even when you read the end of the book of revelation and he says there shall be new heavens and new earth so the earth is never out of god's economy so now if i believe in a pre tribulation rapture what is the kind of preparation i do for the church that is getting ready to be raptured before tribulation and then if there is no pre trib rapture and the rapture and the second coming are a singular event at the end of the tribulation then how do we prepare for that that is the question that is you see for me i i let me speak for myself for me my burden is not just to make sure that my soul my body is ready for the second coming and the rapture or just my families i have an obligation god has called me and placed me in the church in his body as a man of god as a prophet so i have the responsibility of preparing the church otherwise i will be questioned by the lord my assignment is to get this generation ready for his coming but the question is how do i prepare you how do i prepare myself and how do i prepare the church i hope you can see the the battle i'm having right now do i preach a message to you that is going to make sure that make sure of your personal salvation make sure that you are walking with the lord jesus which is absolutely important by the way so when the time comes we are ready to get out of here or do i say guys there's a possibility that there will come a time where your children may be martyred for the lord where holding a bible will become a crime where preaching the word will become a crime where exalting singing a worship song will become a crime what do i prepare you for and if i am a if i am a faithful and an able minister i should prepare you for all outcomes i must prepare you for everything i must prepare you for any eventuality i must prepare you for any outcome so you are not like the foolish virgins that brought some oil i i i know i need some oil because there could be a delay but i want to prepare you as a wise virgin who has more than enough more than enough more than enough is it possible that 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 the foolish virgins brought enough oil because they thought this oil will sustain me till this point it will surely jesus will come back before this surely jesus will come back before this hour surely jesus will come so i have brought oil enough based on the estimate that i think he's going to come by and then the wise oil the wise virgins brought that oil and then some extra just in case he doesn't come based on my estimates just in case he doesn't come at the hour that i am expecting him to come just in case he doesn't come when i predict he's going to come let me bring some extra oil my god 
So, what if, and this is speculation, this is my interpretation, what if the foolish virgins, virgins brought enough oil to last till the rapture of the secret rapture of the church and then the secret rapture doesn't happen, they're like, oh my God, what do we do now? <laughs> what do we do now? What do we do now? So, God, a good pastor, a good man of God, an able minister will prepare you for any outcome. I don't want you to prepare you for just one outcome. I want to prepare you for all outcomes. I want you to teach your children to be ready for all outcomes. Because if not in our generation, surely our children's generation. If not in our children's generation, surely in our grandchildren's generation. We want to prepare our people for all outcomes. Jesus said, this gospel shall be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end shall come. Then the end shall come. But when you read Apostle Paul's instructions to the Thessalonian church, he says something to the tune of that you are not appointed for wrath. You are not appointed for judgment. So will the church go through the tribulation or will the church not go through the tribulation? Either ways, we must be prepared. We must be ready for any eventuality. We must be prepared. Having said that, and I have taken so much of your time already, and I haven't even gotten into the end time church because I was just trying to paint a picture of what the end time was going to be. <laughs> Um, but let me give you a few, let me give you a few pointers. Let me give you a few pointers. As we approach the end times, we will see two kinds of churches emerge on the earth. I want you to listen to me very carefully. We will see the emergence of two kinds of churches. One is a counterfeit church that looks like the church, talks like the church, dresses like the church, sings songs like the church, but has no power, has no glory. And if it has to be weighed, it will be found lacking. But it will look exactly like the church, function exactly like the church, will dress and will talk all the church language, but the Lord is not with them. They are a counterfeit and a cultural church. And then we will see the emergence of an authentic, apostolic, glorious church. They will both be on the earth at his coming. That's why there are multiple parables where we will see, like for example, the, the, the parable of the seed and the wheat. They grew in the same land. They, they spoke the same language. They had the same nutrition and yet one was corruptible and the other was incorruptible. One was weed and the other was wheat. So we will see the emergence of two kinds of churches. One is a counterfeit cultural church, so to speak. When I say cultural, I'm not trying to demean or um, look down or speak against any particular culture. When I say cultural, what I mean is that the church will look so much like the culture that it is in that you will not be able to differentiate between the culture and the church. So that's why I call it a cultural church. 
right? But it's a counterfeit movement. It has the it has the appearance of godliness, but lacks the power. They hold the Bible, but they don't value the truth. You see, you must understand, just because somebody talks about Jesus doesn't necessarily make them a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. They can hold the Bible, it doesn't make them a Christian. They can quote John 3.16, doesn't make them a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's going to be a counterfeit church, a counterfeit movement. And then, and this is where I get so excited. And may the Lord help us to be a part of this glorious end time church. There will be an authentic, apostolic, glorious church that not only has the word and the truth, but has the power of God. That not only preaches grace, but has righteousness in its DNA. We will be an accurate reflection of God on the earth. We will become the standard of righteousness on the earth. We will be the scale by which God will judge the rest of the nations. God would be unfair to judge the rest of the nations if we were also functioning and walking and living and talking like the rest of the nations. We have to grow to a place where we will stand as a reflection of his righteousness. This church is glorious. This church is powerful. This church is in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. This church is faithful to the doctrine of the word. This church is glorious. My God, I feel something tonight. And tonight there is a call for all of us to not follow Jesus at a surface level but to go deeper with him, to become a part of this end time army that the Lord is raising up, to become a part of this end time church that is going to be so decorated by the glory of God. My God. One day the Lord told me, many, many years ago, many years ago, he said, he said, he said, son, you and you are on the threshold. The earth is on the threshold of the greatest move of God. This move of God will be greater than every other move of God on the earth. Think of all the revivals of the past. Think of all the movements of the past. Think of all the glorious movements of the past and put them together. And what God is about to do on the earth will eclipse all of them. In fact, this coming move of God, the church that will rise on the earth before the coming of the Lord, it will be so glorious that the first century church, it will dwarf the first century church. You see, I'll tell you why. If the beginning of the church was glorious, then the ascension of the church will be even more glorious. We are going to see the power of God like never before. We're going to have a quality of people that we have not seen for many, many centuries where we will not love our own lives. <laughs> it's easier said than done, right? <laughs> Today we can't give up Instagram and pray for 10 minutes extra. Today we can't give up our movies or our addictions and spend that 10, 15 minutes extra. 
but there's coming a company of people that won't even love their own lives. They will count it a joy to die for the Lord. You know, I'm so emotional when I tell you this. You know, we see pictures of what's happening in Afghanistan because of the takeover of an extremist regime. And we see people running, you know, Muslims, Americans, Indians, some Christians, atheists, they all want to vacate. They all want to run away because they're afraid of their lives. They want to somehow get out of the country, right? But do you know that there are faithful pastors, faithful believers. There is a company of Christians in Afghanistan that will not run from it, that will not leave it because they want to stay there and preach the gospel. They want to stay there and love the people that are there. They want to stay there and help the people. That They want to be a witness. That version of Christianity is very different than what we hear in the pulpits of the world today. They are not preaching a cute sermon. They are living a reality that's very different from yours and mine. They are willingly choosing to be in Afghanistan so they can witness to the Lord, they can preach the gospel, so they can save the souls that need to hear the gospel. I'm telling you, their names will be written in the book of life and their reward in heaven will be so, so great. We don't know their names. They are not famous. They are not popular. They don't come on Christian television. They don't have Instagram and Facebook followers. They are not influencers, but they are famous in the heart of God. They are famous in the courts of heaven. They are famous amongst the angels. That is a glorious church that will not deny the name of the Lord, even if it's going to cost them their life. I'm telling you. Thank you, Father. So easy for us to have cute political arguments and uh, who's at fault. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're a Republican, doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, doesn't matter if you're a liberal, doesn't matter if you're conservative. What will matter is if you will pursue the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart and love him above everything else. Thank you, Lord. So there will be the presence of two churches. One counterfeit. One authentic. One that is cultural. Pandering to the needs of the culture. The other will be apostolic in nature. Glorious in nature. That will stand for the truth. That will stand for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That will stand for the name of the Lord. Um, I, I have so much to share with you, but I can't. I really can't. You know, sometimes we think of the church as a spa, you know, where you go, you get a nice massage, somebody comes and gives you drinks, you get nice juices. That's the version of the church we are used to. 
and that's the version of the Christianity we are used to. But for people in Afghanistan and places like that, the church is not a spa, the church is an ambulance, taking care of the absolutely broken and the wounded. So, it's my moral responsibility to not just preach a sermon to you that will make you shout and excited and and all of that stuff. But it is my moral responsibility to prepare you for any and every eventuality. And at the heart of you being prepared is a deep, deep, deep love for Jesus. There is no higher preparation, there is no greater preparation than you having a true love-based relationship with the Lord Jesus. Not one that is motivated by fear. I don't want you to follow Jesus because you're afraid of the one world government, because of the Antichrist, because of the beast of the mark, because of the tribulation, because of the judgment. No, 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 no. I want you to be so in love with Jesus that this world and its systems fade away. They have no hold on your life. You are like Apostle Paul. It's like to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay. You know, I haven't even gotten through my first point for you guys of the end time church and it's already close to 90 minutes. But I hope and I pray that this word has stirred you. This word has challenged you. Our view of the future will decide how we prepare. will decide our present behavior. Okay. Ah, take a moment and pray for the church in Afghanistan. Because as, as we talk, hundreds, if not thousands of them, are being killed. Take a moment and pray. Pray for the people of Afghanistan. Pray for the church in Afghanistan. And there is a very vibrant underground church in Afghanistan. Very vibrant. We must pray. We must pray. Father, I want to thank you for today. While, Lord, we could not go into details, while we may not know all the nuances about your coming, while we may not have all the answers about the tribulation or the pre-tribulation pre rapture or a post-tribulation rapture, while we not know all of that, God, we have one prayer that you will prepare us for your coming, irrespective of when it happens. That you will prepare us to preach this gospel without any dilution, to preach the truth, to preach the word of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, if there is any of us, if there is any sin in me, if there is any sin in us, if there is anything in us that is not worthy of your name, that is an offense to your name, I pray that you would forgive us. We repent of our sinful ways. We repent of our sins. Grant us grace to become more like you, to walk in truth and in holiness, O oh Lord. We worship you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
We give you all the glory and the honor. In your name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Please consider sharing it. And for more information, log on to harirao.com.